talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing, a show where me, Stu, and me, Dave, take to task Aaron Sorkin's seminal TV show, The West Wing, from a leftist perspective here in the year of our Lord, 2019. We have a very special episode today for you because, ta-da, we made it all the way through season one. It's the end. (laughs) Uh, of, of the first season, at least. Yes. <laughs> and so, we, we get a great bit of emotional catharsis here that we'll, we'll, we've spoiled over and over if anyone's <laughs> been listening this whole time. Uh, and if you know the show, you know what's coming. Uh, but the intro itself does a very cold open, eff- uh, does a very effective job of setting what's going to happen in this big TV finale, which is that, you know, shit is about to go down. We, we literally get this great moment where uh, C- uh, Secret Service agent Gina, uh, having been set up a few episodes previously, has spotted the white supremacist threat at the, uh, at, as they are loading into the car and is about to make some sort of dramatic gasp uh, right as we hit, like, the most bombastic part of the theme, and, like, it's a really <laughs> effective little moment, I thought. It was, yeah. it was really good. Well, I described... like, where you're just like, oh my god, what happens? <laughs> I need to see! Well, I described it as a cliffhanger within a cliffhanger, because this right. episode is a two-parter that they split over the finale of the first season and the premiere of the second. So, right. audiences in 2000 had about five months in between these two to ponder... Oh, right. what happened? You right. know, do we think and, everybody's okay? Right. Uh, there's a, there's a very nice moment where the final bit of dialogue at the end of the episode is who's been hit? Who's mm-hmm. been hit? <laughs> Implying both that A someone de- definitely has been hit and B we do not know who. Yep. Yeah, so there's a lot of um I think we described it as effective television in this episode, but not a whole yes. lot of politics. Very um, little overall. Yeah. In fact, the kind of the Which the, I get you know, yeah. this is more of a kind of an actiony moment where, like, you know, if you were gonna have this on The Office or whatever, there would be less comedy in that episode too, because you have to devote time for. Oh, you the gotta build moment. the yeah, you gotta build the plot moments that are happening. Right. Now. Yeah. So it makes sense that they, they they do a little bit less of their bread and butter because they're tackling something a little unorthodox and have to create some time for it. Yeah, and I think you, you mentioned unorthodox, and this is one of the things that makes this episode particularly effective. It is that it's a dramatic departure from right. both the pacing. We, we and are the not events. in meeting rooms with three congressmen anymore. You know, yeah. we're shit is happening. <laughs> yeah, and like there's there's dynamic um, staging. There are some shots that are on like outside mm-hmm. dollies, mm-hmm. even, and so there's a lot more that they clearly were like. Hey, we want to end on a high note. Like, right. obviously, we're going, we're going renewed, all out. Yeah. We're going to go all out on this. So, totally. Yeah, and so they start. Uh, I mean, uh, one of the few things that they did is they have Bartlett in a in a public setting, like not in right. the White House, uh, out right. the gate, where he's giving a speech at the museum. And holy shit! So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go, I was, I, so I didn't know these museum tidbits. So please. <laughs> So I was thoroughly, I was thoroughly owned by my wife earlier because I was bitching. The modern museum is a giant, just hideous concrete and glass facade, basically facing the the National Mall in Washington D.C. And when I realized that he was giving the speech at the museum, it says it in like little title cards um, in the episode. Mm-hmm. I was like. 
that's not the like where the, where would those shooters be? Like it's the Canadian embassy on one side, the mall on another, and there's like a parking lot and a court across the street from the Whoa, place. Quick. So there literally is no office building. But as I was sort of railing on this, my wife, DC expert and West Wing expert that she is, reminded, actually, I had no idea, but brought up the fact that the museum was originally in Roslyn, which is across the river from oh. DC. Um, in a different, it's like a suburb, basically. <laughs> so as of, I think it was mid 2000s, they realized that nobody was going there. So they drove a giant capital campaign in and relocated to a building on a lot right proximal to the National Mall. So my objection to the continuity error in this episode is unfounded. <laughs> Has been retroactively fixed <laughs> by reality. By reality. <laughs> which is, which is impressive. dumb as shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, it starts with this yeah, so he's, museum. Yeah, so he's... He's blathering on about, or, well, someone asks him a question of, like, uh, God, I forget the question, but basically, like, something, something, blah, blah, young people. Yes, and this allows the president the to go into a generational rant about how <laughs> the current generation is so worthless, and it's the line you've heard about, like, oh, the children, why don't they listen to their betters? That's been, quote, you know, the claims to be Plato, but is actually some dude from the 20s or whatever. Mm-hmm. Point point stand bitching about the youth is an evergreen topic, uh, and will continue to be for all of human history. And uh, he, like this is just there's this thing where he's like, "Is it that you failed us, oh God. or we failed you?" Eh, it's a little eh, bit of both. It's a little yeah. both. <laughs> yeah, like in the most just dismissive, <laughs> shitty. Ah, sn- oh, that got me so mad. Of just like, like oh god, what a, and he does it in this like Martin Sheeny, charmy kind of way, yeah. where you're just like, ah, that should suffice. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, man. And then also like uh, you, the the way that it's it's framed and that we we cut to. Um, a, a room with him on closed circuit TV because they're filming the event or whatever. Right. But you can kind of hear him going into the mitigating information, but the way it's shot, you don't actually get any of that on board. Yeah. Which and I noticed assuming... that again later when he's talking about Charlie's bit that uh, Charlie um, gave to him to bring attention to. We, we hear him introing the bit, and then we cut to the monitors, and you can barely hear him when he's talking about the substance of whatever the stupid info is, but and all we get is just Charlie's reaction of, like, he said my thing, and it's like, it barely matters what the thing is. It's it's so uh, yeah, it, surface level. Like, it's they don't dig into anything in this episode. <laughs> well, and also, like, the, they make this big thing of the speech of him taking his jacket off. Oh God! I <laughs> so stupid. Like, oh, and he, you, you have this note here where it's like it's a meta discussion that he has where he's yeah. gaming it out in real time. Yeah, it's basically there's this trend I've noticed where finally the advertisers have caught up to the concept of meta, and like you know because it always <laughs> takes them a few years to catch up to all concepts. You you always notice these trends like delay three to five years when you notice them in ads. And so now everything's meta, where it's like, haha, I'm telling you I'm an advertisement. Isn't that charming? And, like, this is the early version of that, where he's like, hey, we had this big optics discussion about my jacket, and if I let you all in on it, it makes it this cool conversational moment where I'm, like, exposing the meta of the jacket discussion. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it's, it's fucking weird. <laughs> it, it's sort of breaking this weird 
it's uh, a, it's, it comes it's like across as like a charming moment, kind of I guess, but it's it's just it's a weird way to do it. There's a million other ways to have Martin Sheen be charming, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. it's talking not about hard. the youth. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's this is all in like the um, sort of the intro. Yeah, to the yeah, episode too. So we have a lot of. And meanwhile, they're all doing this weird hand signal you're not going to find out <laughs> about for forty more minutes. Yeah. Like. <laughs> they're, so they're they're foreshadowing what comes temporarily to the viewer in the future, but they're talking about events that have already occurred with this weird hand signal. By the so way, like, I've seen the movie The Wave, and to me, it looks like they're doing the fascist symbol out of the movie <laughs> The Wave, so it's just fucking... That adds a whole nother level to oh, it. Oh, man. And so, like, they... Uh, blah, 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 blah. And so Leo has a little comedic moment where he calls out this hand signal, and being like, what the fuck are you like, doing? what in the what? fuck? Yeah, yeah which, which is, like, speaking for the audience, which is yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and they're <laughs> like, all... What? And they're, what? what are you doing with your fucking arm here, Josh? What the fuck? <laughs> and it's it's all, like, positive emotions, which is, un, like, unusual. Right. And, frankly, helps to Shocking. set up this... It, it sets a very uh, palpable, dramatic tension, like, by contrast, because they're coming mm. out of this event having had a succession on, of on positive... On highs. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes, uh, which, which knowing that what we know from the cold open that, you know, it's all going to go bad just gives you even more dread um, going into that moment at the end of the episode. Again, all that stuff surrounding the shooting, really effective uh, yes, and well done absolutely. television. Not subtle at all, but well done. <laughs> Look, and, I mean, you know, in the in And there's a time May for subtlety and there's a time for, you know guns and they they don't tend to mix and look man like we're not like 10 years away from you know fucking like uh, terrible sitcom tell like this is this is in the premiere stages right. of premiere tv so this right, is right yeah i i think that's important to point out is like this is still a time when sweeps like mattered I don't yes. know if they still do anymore i have to assume that they've they've died off you know network television is a quite literally a dying industry where the median viewer age is something like 65 Mm -hmm. uh, nowadays. Um, But yeah, this is still very much of a sweeps mentality. You know, Friends was on, you know, you know, Seinfeld was on. Mid ER season. This was still the era of big event television, Mm -hmm. you know, of trying to get in the most watchers possible. Uh, And something like this was super effective. And I think it did get a shitload of ratings. Um, which then, you know, would help secure West Wing's uh, position on air for the next few years. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it was in a desirable time slot, too, so mm-hmm. not not super premiere Yeah, time this slot, is but prime time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. So we see Ron Butterfield again, and then gaffs cut to the Yay! credit sequence at this point. Um, and then we get into the, like, earlier this day type right. of information right. this is good this is some so this is again pre like this in media res opening getting overused to fucking back uh <laughs> by it feels like everything in the aughts and and since then feels like has to do an in media res opening but this was pre that becoming a big thing and it's very effective here yeah, where absolutely. we where, where it leaves this lingering tension in the viewer's mind of like oh shit some shit's gonna happen we just don't know when yeah, and they do a good job of being like of confusing the shit out of you with the stupid hand signal and right. leaving you thinking like I'm gonna I'm gonna find out about this. So, right. I'm gonna keep watching past like the 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 smash cut here into the credit sequence or whatever. Right. So, um yeah, actually, let's take a break let's, real quick yeah, so I can I re- recompose too. my let's thoughts take, and talk about Let's take a about... quick break here <laughs> and we'll just dig into more of the episode yeah. uh, and what happens next. 
So in the ensuing after smash cut to credit sequence thing, we learn about what had happened during the kind of day it has been earlier at the White right. House. Yes. Um, so uh, the big thing, the thread that goes through is the big political issue sort of the episode is there's been an incident where an F-117 Nighthawk, which is a stealth fighter bomber, has been shot down over the no-fly zone in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um at this point in time, both in real life and in the show's chronology, we had not gone to Iraq 2.0. Correct. Yet, yeah, so we're, we, we're at a stage of uneasy peace at this moment. Mm-hmm. And probably, not, uh, frankly, Not outright like, war. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is so, a post-Operation uh, Desert Storm 1. Yes, post-Desert Storm. So, you know, those tensions are still... Recent. Yeah, and Hussein's still in power and probably, right. you know, yeah, fiction, fictional Hussein is, is yeah. well and alive in the West Wing universe doing his thing. So basically this, what's, what's actually pretty cool about this episode is that this incident is a reference to a real event that happened to the real U.S. military, albeit in a different country. Oh, neat. Um, so <laughs> there was, uh, during the Kosovo campaign in 1999, when the uh, NATO bombing was going on in what was then Yugoslavia, um, mm-hmm. the Serbian Air Force, or I guess it was the Serbian Army, anyway, one of the units in the Serbian Army actually did shoot down an F-117 over Yugoslav airspace, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a one-in-a-bazillion shot because they had what was considered to be pretty dated equipment, but they managed to use it in an incredibly ingenious way based on both sort of like literal, like human intelligence and on the ground observation combined with, you know, cobbling together certain uh, signals and utilizing this technology where this guy basically was like, Hey, those planes fly overhead at about the same time from about the same place about every single day, do you think they'll be around tomorrow? <laughs> and then they waited for it to do another mission and waited, crucially, because they would have just been bombed by, like, anti, uh, I guess, like, countermeasures for anti-air stuff. Sure. Their, their own radar signal would have been observed and they probably would have gotten shelled or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they only turned their radar on for, like, the 12 or 15 seconds the plane was both in range and had its bomb bay doors open. So its radar signal was amplified. Basically, it broke the quote-unquote stealth of the plane. So they managed to turn it on for this exact interval to get a signal for the missile to lock onto. And they launched two missiles at the thing, one of which blew up close enough to it to knock it out of the sky. And, you know, this is a – it's taught in military colleges now. It's like, you know, improvisation or whatever. But in this setting – Some, like, Independence Day Randy Quaid shit here. Like (laughs) – I'm almost, I'm almost yeah. proud of the Serbian <laughs> Air Force for me. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, did the pilot in this, live in the real life incident as well? Yes, he did. And in yeah, fact, good for there him. was a there was a big rescue mission that got sent out, much like in the show. Um, sure, but probably a little less hectic since you know, or uh, I don't know. You know what? Maybe it was just as hectic. So one thing I actually learned when I was doing a little bit of research about this today, because it kind of it, it triggered the memory. I didn't know all the details. The pilot in real life was actually of Serbian descent. So the oh. United States citizen, like the the army or the right. Air Force captain or whatever, his last name was like 
Zaleiko or something. <laughs> so, so he probably just walked over and was like, hey, yeah. my cousin! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you direct me to American Embassy? <laughs> <laughs> so in this setting, also it's funny because going back to the show, another dramatic um, kind of driver of the show is that we eventually learned that Toby's brother is stuck yes. in orbit on a space shuttle. Yes, uh, and uh, before we go any further, I need to point out that Tony's brother's name is David, and I like to picture <laughs> that the space shuttle has a uh, payload door malfunction, uh, so the idea that he's up there and the pod bay doors just won't close, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. We can't do that right now. <laughs> And so it's also good because the reason this is kind of the weird parallels that my mind has. The reason that the shuttle can't land is because it's what would be the bomb bay doors right. open, just like the F one seventeens in real life. How how apropos. <laughs> so that's so another one. This is Fuck another space shuttle. So we've got two potentially injured space and aeronaut people uh, mm-hmm. going on here. Uh, do- double pilot. Or well, he's not the pilot; he's the payload specialist. Oh, the whole uh, crew. But yeah, so risk. I mean, the whole crew. Yeah, you know, yeah. as Toby says, it's space travel. There's no such thing as a minor problem. Yep, and frankly, the fact that any space shuttle ever came back is, is still is just a miracle. A fucking miracle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. <sighs> so then, and me. So meanwhile, we still have other subplots going on. This episode does try to pack a lot in, even though uh, so much time is dedicated to the shooting itself. Uh, so we've got Mandy back for her last performance. Who's still back. We've we've been wrong several times. We now. have been wrong, but this is definitely <laughs> and for sure the last appearance of Mandy, uh, where she is doing debate prep with the president and asks a question about how they've completely failed to do anything related to healthcare. Um, and, you know, basically says, forty, you know, still 40 million Americans uninsured, you've done literally nothing, uh, what, you know, what say you? And the president tries to get out of it with, well, like, well, well, I wouldn't say we've done nothing. <laughs> but it's like, no, you've done actually nothing. It's like, have you considered the fact that I'm good with words? <laughs> right. He basically just tries to ask the debate prep people, like, okay, so how can I charmingly say we've done jack and shit? <laughs> yeah. And, the, you know, the magic word access comes uh, up. At some point. She's like, uh, of course, uh, motherfucker. <laughs> so yeah. while they're doing this prep, kind of the, the news starts to trickle out, both that, like... Um, Space shuttle stuck, but also that this um, stealth fighter got shut down. And I do find it amusing that most of the members of the staff think that a stealth plane is literally <laughs> is, invisible. Yes. Just that, like our the, big, wet bitch president. Now, to, to be fair, the fact that it got shot down is the problem that, like, at least half of them talk about. Like, okay, the fact that it got caught on radar is the problem because it's yeah. a stealth bomber. And that's accurate. But yes, the idea that the stealth plane <laughs> got seen at all does yeah. seem to be a sticking point for about half of them, uh, yeah. because they do think a stealth plane means it's invisible. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. No, it, they're talking about radar, folks. That, that's what it's they mean It's not the movie with stealth. Jamie Foxx, or whoever yeah, that was. Was it not, Jamie Foxx in stealth? Uh, yes, I want to okay, say good. yes. <laughs> Where it, they had, like, the magic cloaky plane or whatever. Yep. Like James Bond's car in Die Another Day <laughs> with, like... Oh, we use camera panels. Wow. <laughs> oh, so, man. yeah. And, uh, and then, then, so CJ's got her own thing going on, 
where um, her she has to uh, lie about the the plane being shot down, uh, or you know details about it basically when she leaks the story, um, because you know they don't want to reveal certain things for you know security reasons essentially, um, and she has kind of a toe to toe with Leo where. He's like, hey, the last time we tried to ask you to do this, you screwed up. And she's like, the last time, you lied to me, assholes. Yeah. And that's yeah. what made me fuck up. If you had trusted me from the get-go, we would have been fine. And he's like, well, I'm trusting you now. And, like, you can tell it's not quite a satisfactory answer for CJ. And also, you know, as the, as the news trickles out to the rest of the staff... I think Josh comes in the door and literally says, a stealth plane was shot down, and she gives Leo this look, being like, this sort of proves my point. <laughs> right, like, of like, dude, this may- is, <laughs> maybe may- we should maybe all you- get on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you should let me do my job, like the reason you hired me. Right. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like that, you know, I like that she gets these moments of, of calling out, like, and it's nice continuity, too, to have characters remember shit you know, from before. again, this is still somewhat revolutionary for TV at the time to have characters remember shit that happened in past episodes, yep. you know, like that, that concept really kind of evolved at some point around like the 90s, you know, 80s, 90s television. Well, yeah. And also like that, that it's not that these things are not tied necessarily to overt dramatic drivers they're not remembering that they're in love with another character right they're yeah, not yeah remembering that their child died right they're remembering like, small things of yeah. but like things that a, a real person you know would remember of like hey i got mad about this thing and it kind of stuck in my craw kind of you know and it's like, going to influence my character from here on out like exactly. i'm going to my, my acting and you know hopefully at that point the writing will reflect the evolution Right. Of, of these events. You know, real people experience actual continuity in real life, so it makes sense for your characters to experience it occasionally as well if you want them to come across, well, more real. Yeah, and I mean, just kind of to note this other sort of interesting, bit, frankly, bit of continuity is that Josh goes out to to talk with Hoynes. Oh, yes, okay. And like, So let's dig into him? this for a hot minute. Yeah, uh, so... Threat threatens a weird thing. I don't think it's a threat per se. It's more just kind of a. Rem- is, I mean, it is a threat. It's a mild threat. It's sort of a reminder of like he just wants to tell him like, hey, I see which way the political winds are blowing, particularly re-campaign finance reform, uh, and you are taking lunches and shit with the wrong people, and you should probably come around. That's, that's basically the gist of what Josh says. Yeah, and he utilizes the fact that, somewhat cynically. Right. He can count on the fact that when they bring the pilot home alive, when they land the space shuttle, and right. whatever well, first the speech off, is... that their job approval just shot up a bunch yes. over, you know, because of the recent survey poll. Uh, you know, we're up nine points, we're up to 51%, the, the technocrats wet dream of 50% plus one. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so he brings that up, and then he says, hey, if we, you know, you've heard about this, you know, pilot that got shot down, we bring this guy back, we're gonna go up another ten points, because America's gonna fucking love it. And like, you know, it's time for you to to hop on the hop on the Rocket Express to the job approval polls and, and get, get with the plan, and get on and our like- team. Yeah, and stop, stop trying to like reach beyond your station. Exactly. Is the, yeah. is the stop trying to set up your own presidential run and yeah, yeah. and and you know show in which ways you deviate from the administration to to set up your own political identity. And you need to get on board and be 
vice president to this president who's doing real well right now. Yes. And then that, Leo that's, Josh's, that's Josh's thing. And then, <laughs> so he gets back from his jog meeting, um, which he had to carb up for. And then, <laughs> and Leo is immediately in his face about like, how dare you, you cynical motherfucker with the, by claiming that if we rescue a pilot, we're going to go up 10 points, you asshole. Like, and I just don't get what Leo is yelling about <laughs> at all. Yeah, it's like, well, okay, it's one thing if the guy died and Josh said like, hey, you know, um, we're going to oh, we're going to we're going to, you know, the public loves a dead troop and we're going to get so much approval off ringing this dude's corpse out in front of the media. Like, okay, then yeah, wow, holy shit, Josh, that's fucked up. But like, that's not what he's saying. He's saying if we do the good thing and rescue this guy, <laughs> our job approval will, will go up, which, yes, of course it will. Like, of course it will. The, oh, the American public does love troops being rescued alive, in fact, from dangerous situations. This is not a shocking, controversial, or whatever kind of statement that Leo thinks it is. Well, and yeah, and I think we, we mentioned that it's like, sure, okay, Leo may be a little bit more emotionally invested in this because sure, he's a veteran he, he, and he was, was a pilot. he was literally a pilot who, has, who, as we will later learn, was shot down in a scenario quite similar to this. Mm, uh, okay. And was and was rescued himself. So I get why Leo himself is mad, but he comes to it from the angle of if the president had heard you say that, he would be having a fit right now. Like he doesn't come at it from the personal angle at first. You know, he yeah, does slip right. that I mean, in right. there at the end. He I does think, slip uh... in at the end, like, oh, and by the way, as a pilot, I'm offended. It will, okay, fine, that's fair. Whatever, Leo, you can personally, but he comes at it from the idea of, like, the president would be just shocked and appalled to hear this kind of thing coming from his deputy chief of staff, and I'm like, but why? <laughs> but isn't that his <laughs> but job? But really? Like, <laughs> like, you hired this guy to be a Rob Emanuel kind of motherfucker, and you had him, like, meet with the vice president to try to bring the VP in line, kind of threateningly, like, Leo okayed the meeting before it happened understanding that Josh was going to kind of do this mild threat thing. Yeah. And so it's just weird. It feels, yeah. it feels it, weird. It, it seems, it seems like a, it's not, not a, like a betrayal of character. It's just, it's just not necessarily. Of, it's just, it, it feels naive, I guess. Yes. From like, you know, this old, these two old experienced political operatives to be so shocked that Josh referenced approval numbers. Like, yeah, in a somewhat sort of, cynical way, <laughs> like I don't get it. Yeah, and it, it's under it's undercutting a lot of what happens throughout the rest of the thing, which is where you kind of you draw this line between making the connection emotionally to an issue, mm -hmm. and then leveraging it to make a political connection with people who will then act in your in your interest, in the interest of your agenda. Mm -hmm. And but Leo in this at this particular moment is just like, no, fuck that. It's like, yeah. uh, but. Uh, okay <laughs> yeah it's just weird um yeah and then and it's gone after like after that scene it's never brought up or yeah, talked yeah, yeah. about her again so it you know it kind of but i just wanted to bring that up because it just it's weird and it's st stuck in my craw a little yep and then we get another thing that's a little weird where admiral fitzwallace yay yeah um comes into the president's office because i think he's awaiting they're about to get call. a they're about to get a status update yeah about the pilot and he's like okay it's gonna be a, a minute but we have to sit here and wait for a minute 
and this allows Fitzwallis to have this weird exchange with the president uh, about the seal on the floor and the fact that it flips between war and peacetime. What if, what if, if you talk to the president in the Oval Office on weed? Yeah, yeah, it, it's very Seinfeldian kind of conversation of like, this is what the Seinfeld characters would talk about, were they in the Oval Office? Um, and it just feels like it's either Sorkin or another writer's actual musings that they've just put into Fitzwallis's mouth. Of like, I, huh, I always wonder about that. Do they do it like a basketball <laughs> court, you know? <laughs> Like and and it's 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 kind of just occupying this dead space of time because they have to establish that they're like right. They're and waiting I want to point out here call. that this dead space was manufactured by yeah, the writing exactly. team. Like it's artificial. We didn't actually have to wait. We could have just gone right to the phone call. <laughs> That's exactly where I was going with this. Yeah. I was like, what? But they made it. They made right. it happen. They made the awkward conversation happen. <laughs> it didn't have to happen. That's the fun <sighs> part. Yeah, and so after that little scene where we learn that the pilot has been successfully rescued, hooray! Um, hooray! Um, we then cut back, or I guess cut forward at this point, yes. to the conclusion of the speech at the museum that we saw at the opening of the episode, and it goes into a little bit more detail, but basically is almost like a scene for scene repeat. Yeah. Of the cold open at this point. And then we yeah. get to the climax of the episode, which we will take a brief break and then dig in on. Absolutely. All right. So so here we are at the end of the episode with all the tension has built. We've dealt with all the subplots. Uh, I think uh, Charlie got a thing in there about recommending something to the president. I think we mentioned that. Yeah. Um, but I just want to note that one for the record uh so we've dealt with all the various subplots and now here we are the moment we know something bad's gonna happen because of the cold open so we've got uh gina sees the kid in the crowd and so first element right off which you have in the notes why is the kid in the crowd (laughs) uh he needs to be the signal man apparently because the dudes watching from overhead won't be able to tell when the president shows up or specifically uh, because of like when there's the one black person who they are after is there right also that yeah like they know their target too like it's not, it's not, they have a good view as we find out because we get a camera shot of exactly where they are and they're like a few stories up. Um, well, and t- okay, so two, <laughs> they have handguns. Oh my god. Uh, from their, from their few story up uh, vantage point, one of which is like a fucking deagle. <laughs> like, this kid's played too much Counter Strike and is gonna blow his fucking wrist to smithereens when he fires his first shot. Like,. <laughs> So I, Jeez, this is a, this is awful planning. We, Just from a, I, I texted you like immediately while I was watching this and said, "Okay, right, what the yeah, yeah. fuck is going on here?" So yeah, I'm, I'm not like, like a like a gun fucker or anything by any stretch. Yeah, of the me means, neither. But, but like I played enough video games to understand that you want a rifle for something like this. They're, like they're come on, like thirty to thirty five yards away. And let me tell you, man, I've shot several pistols in my life, and I right. can't hit shit. From, like, right. seven like, yards away. So the implication here is that these are, like, white supremacist militia types, right? Like, the kind that are, like, all about fucking ARs and AKs and, like, you know, like, that would have access to all types of guns. Yeah, not just, like, artillery. the shittiest handguns that they, that they fucking picked up from the prop department that day. <laughs> like, I don't... I don't get this. Like, have them fucking have some guns. Yeah, like, like, and so that... I guess, I guess... 
I th- I forget if we actually get told later on in the in the first episode of the second season in the, the follow up of this of like uh, they were you know does the Secret Service say something like wow they were completely underprepared oh, yeah. or I don't like know. does do they comment on on the fact that they are very tactically underprepared for this particular attempt one well, that like I just uh, of of a thing it just makes me think like if they're not. And again, I swear to God, this isn't like conspiracy mongering. NSA, please don't no, come after us. It's just like, funny. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's just funny. We're just talking about fiction. If, here. if they're not, if funny. they're not fucking like, you can either go with one one set of assumptions or another. At this point, one assumption <laughs> is that they've worked this out such that they know where he's right. going to be. They know where they can right, get because they managed to get here yeah. to the point where you know Secret Service does. You know, they've cleared this area and stuff. They've managed to find a a a, a an area that where Secret Service hasn't cleared and gotten set With up. A clear and like, visual. You know, they've done. You, you. It's either like either a they've done their homework and they've gotten to this amazing opportunity to be able to pull this off, or b they're incompetent <laughs> amateurs who somehow managed to get in this amazing drop position on the president. Yeah, like, and, and like again, wait, which is it, boys? And again, it seems like almost an afterthought because you mentioned, and this is this is actually a, an interesting distinction. You mentioned like they them walking down to the prop department in the morning. And I swear to God, it is your the proppiest of prop guns. It's a Beretta 92, yeah. which is every single like gun, gun in seen. every movie, yeah. and a fucking Deagle, which is always like the joke gun, like yeah. a Desert Eagle 50 right. caliber. Like which, what the which fuck? is the which is the thing you give your hardened <laughs> criminal guy to carry to show that he's the hard one. You know, he's got the yeah. Deagle. It's got the skulls on the grips. It's you it's know. all oh, this up. guy's serious. Yeah, <laughs> this, this guy's he's gonna be the big threat. <laughs> You know, he's got the deagle. Yeah, it's just, oh my god. And, like, it would make so much more sense for them to have rifles. Mm-hmm. It's, like, and they'd be a million times more effective. Well, what's funny is they end up not killing anyone. Spoilers. Um, yeah, and so... The- uh, they don't even hit their main target. <laughs> Charlie doesn't even fucking get touched. And, like, that that was the one they had the drop on the most. And I think they do aim specifically at him. I think we even... Like the episode actually shows that, he, like the bolt, the first bullet hits closest to Charlie. Yeah, and I think they were. That um, was the. I do want to. Think, that was say. that was the motivation initially was because it's not right, the and that's the, the you know they are the white supremacists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're not trying to kill the president. That's uh, <clears throat> like we want to make that clear. Is like they're not trying to kill the president here. They want to kill Charlie uh, or maybe Zoe. Or, you know, or really at some point, literally anyone, once they start firing. Yeah, I'm sure you're, you're making a statement, too, like, all, all that shit. Right, of just, yeah, 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 <laughs> and you're going to take credit for whatever but, after, you know. If you manage to kill anyone, you'll claim that was the target or whatever. The thing is, the statement's going to be like, I shot once with the deagle and it broke my wrist and I dropped it. <laughs> right, <laughs> and I dropped it and then and it hit my toe and it hurt. <laughs> it hurt. Ow, please arrest me. Uh, <laughs> and then the Secret Service agent oh was on me. God. So, uh, so uh, which, by the way, the two in the tower do not get arrested. They get lit the fuck up yeah. uh, as every agent on the ground responds in kind mm-hmm. with their pistols. Uh, and they had no plan of cover or running away or anything, which just goes back to you. Were they tactical geniuses or were they lucky amateurs? Yeah, just bumbling uh, rank amateurs. It's, it definitely appears to be lucky amateurs. And I think we get more confirmation to that in the two-parter uh, follow-up where the secret service goes into them more and, and basically does say something along the lines of like, these guys were just incredibly lucky amateurs yeah. and um, that, that managed to get through. So to me, um, okay. I mean, there's a couple things where 
obviously for a, a television audience, like, okay, fine. We're, we're not, we're not going to craft this. Whatever. We're not yeah, going to craft this know, scene. It, as it works. It's a shooting. It's fine. Like, you know, it's still an effective scene. Uh, despite all of our nitpicking or whatever, yes. you know, it still accomplishes the the dramatic objective of of executing a shooting in a very dramatic way. And so, in the spirit of sort of the the season finale and a wrap up here, I think this is actually a really it's um, we we have what I consider to be like two exemplars of the West Wing. One is the both sidesism and just accomplishing mm-hmm. nothing that we've experienced throughout all the thing the entire the entire series so far. Uh-huh. The other thing is that they utilize these emotional, dramatic occurrences that are not necessarily attached to politics in any way, shape, or form. You've got Sam's right. relationship with uh, with Lori. Lori. You've got mm-hmm. uh, Joey and uh, not Joey. God damn it. Yeah, Joey and Josh going after each sure. other. That thing. You got the Charlie mm-hmm. Zoe thing. You've got the Leo mm-hmm. being an alcoholic thing. None of these are inherently political themes. Correct. But what the sh- These are all character moments. Exactly. And what the show has sort of set up, and, you know, obviously this has always been a tool of propagandists, of lobbyists everywhere. What the show does a very good job of setting up is that it utilizes the concept of, like, an emotional empathy that you would feel for a fellow human being in a difficult situation, uh-huh. in pain, in happiness, whatever it is. To establish what is an expectation of political empathy with them. Right. So it happens over and over again with these characters where if they take great pains to um, to dress up and drive a character arc that's dramatic in some way, we are primed to then respect their political viewpoints as well, regardless of the attachment of those viewpoints to the events right. that surround the dramatic elements. Right. This is basically sort of the protagonist halo effect kind of thing, where we just naturally sympathize with protagonists, no matter their goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you get this thing here where you get emotional character moments that engender empathy for the character, which then the show turns around and, like you said, tries to use to get you to engender, uh, and you phrased it well, political empathy for like their political positions, because, like, well, now you like them. Because you watch them go through such hardship, even though it wasn't a political <laughs> yeah. hardship. And maybe you'll agree with them more now, which is, right. again, it's it's both, it's an effective tool, but it's, it's also dangerous. You know, it's... Right. We need to it's be a, more... It's a nifty little trick. Yeah, and yeah. We, we need to be more careful in our, again, in media consumption in general, and scrutinize the deli- often deliberate attempts to manipulate our emotions in that regard. It's a pretty simple and overarching theme but it's important because this show honestly for a literal generation of political operatives drove that home both right. as an academic like a, almost a teaching tool but also as yep. as to expect it and incorporate it into the discourse so that is right. the season finale at this point which means we've right. made it all the way to the end Ooh, of season one yay <laughs> woo <laughs> did it yeah i can't believe it so we made it the, the next step will be obviously the um conclusion of the cliffhanger at the outset yes. of the next season and i think i mean i am interested in continuing this exploration of the west wing 
So <laughs> I don't think we have any intention of stopping. How, at this how point. many roads must a man walk down <laughs> before you can call him a man? Well, this is a road we've we've set on, my friend, <laughs> yes, and I'm happy to walk it with you. Happy to walk, uh, it. and we'll and we'll and we'll see where it leads us uh, as we continue this exploration of this seminal. Seven. And, and when I see that, please understand, I do mean semen. <laughs> yes. uh, I'm talking <laughs> television <about> program, <laughs> television <laughs> program uh, done by Aaron Sorkin and his team uh, and all the. Glorious actors and actresses. Yeah, thanks uh, everybody for listening. I'm glad you yeah. came along with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Again, hope you had fun. Yeah, if you would like well, to pop in for the conversation of a specific episode that you either remember or feel like you have a, an attachment to, our sure. inboxes are always open. So shoot yeah, us a post in the it, thread. Or if anyone would like to guest star, if they have a particular topic or episode that interests them, feel free. Uh, we're always up for that as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you all uh, in the next when we season. get back for season two. All right. Looking forward to it. Yep. We will talk to you all then. Thanks for listening. I'll send all the money Bye-bye. you ask for, but don't ask me to come on 